0: Welcome to Afternoons with Me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you're feeling uh, confident in the Lord today and and certain of His trustworthiness. That's who He is. And uh, I'm relying on Him for every minute of every day. That has never changed, but it seems like lately it's been more than usual as we live in a time right now that is uh, probably unrecognizable to most of us. Because I certainly have never lived in anything like this. I saw a picture in the paper. Today of a snowstorm in Minneapolis where I live on this day in 1966 and it had shut down the city and there was a lone man walking down the middle of the road in downtown Minneapolis and everything was empty and I thought hmm I'd take that any (laughs) any day a little snowstorm versus what we're going through right now but we've got a lot of uh, need to pray for of the health and well-being of all of our loved ones and our country and our world. And we're not going to rest, uh, because what a great privilege it is to go and petition to our Heavenly Father who sits on the throne and hears everything we say. And I've been thinking lately of just some fear verses and trust verses, and you're probably not going to get tired of me telling you what they are, because I love hearing them. I love Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Those are just nine words. I think everyone should write those nine words on a three-by-five card and put it right on your mirror when you're washing your hands. Don't sing the happy birthday song. Repeat this. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7, if you've not memorized that, I can't think of a better time right now than to just burn that into your heart. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it's Monday, and you know that's the Monday afternoon mix. Uh, Rebecca's out of the mix today, but David Miles is not. So let me take a little break, and we'll bring on Pastor David Miles in just a minute.
1: Connecting Faith to Life is the focus of Faith Radio. If you're new to our ministry, welcome. Through daily Bible teaching and compelling conversations, we want to help you grow in your faith and learn to apply God's Word to everyday life. Faith Radio is a part of the Northwestern Media family based in St. Paul, Minnesota, and we'd love to introduce ourselves to you. Get to know us better and request a free welcome packet today at MyFaithRadio.com. Tennessee.
2: Meeting you at the intersection of faith and life every day.
3: Anyone who tries to get Jesus to fulfill my agenda ends up abandoning Jesus. The only way to be a disciple of Jesus is that He is Lord and I become a follower of Him. Where you go,
2: i go. Where you stay, I'll Faith Radio.
0: Right, it's time for the Monday afternoon mix. And usually the mix is David Miles and Rebecca Maxwell and me. Uh, but Rebecca's out today and she's at home taking care of the fam. And so it's uh, David and me today. David Miles is a professor, adjunct professor here at the University of Northwestern and also a legacy pastor at uh, of Legacy Ministries at uh, New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota. David, welcome. Hi, Bill. Um, so tell me what Legacy Ministries is again. That's kind of a uh, I just saw that on your website. It's like that's been updated.
3: Um, Actually, it's Life Groups and Leader Development.
0: Okay. Yeah, so I stand corrected already. I'm eight minutes into the show.
3: <laughs> it's all good. We have a wonderful uh, gal, Joanne Lundberg, who does our grandparents' ministry that okay. focuses
0: on advocacy. Awesome. Yeah. Well, of course, we're living in a time that we have never really known before, David, and I'm, I've been thinking as I was uh, praying and getting ready and actually not watching the news today— Um, just trying to prepare my heart for, uh, you know, doing the show today. Mm -hmm. And it seems like um, my appreciation for what I used to take for granted was instantly triggered. You know, so many things that you sort of take for granted that has been taken out of your routine. um, You kind of reflect now on how significant everyday ordinary life is.
3: Yeah, Bill, you really do notice how, uh, sometimes just a routine of life that we have and so many things that are just kind of regular, commonplace things that we just do, sometimes without even thinking. And when the world comes to a massive shutdown or when life is interrupted, we, we realize how much uh, we are in routines. And uh, and and gratefully, we have a God who who is routinely faithful and trustworthy and who is consistent um, And he's also the God of the storm and of the rains and of the earthquakes and of those times, things when life comes undone, that he's also there in the midst of that as well.
0: Yeah. Amen to that, David. I was thinking not so much about what I can't do, but what I can do. I mean, to me, that's always uh, works to my advantage when I try to think of what I can do. And I was just thinking of uh, how we would be the envy of every first century Christian having the entire revealed Word of God which I can put in my lap right now and tonight when I'm home.
3: Yeah, I think, um, you know, this this living in the moment, Bill, um, it gives us an opportunity uh, to be grateful to God for his revealed word, word, word that he's given us in all 66 books of the Bible. Um, it also gives us a unique time of humility and introspection to say, sometimes when we read scripture, we have the advantage of reading like the beginning of Ruth chapter one, and then knowing at the end of Ruth chapter four, it all works out. Right. But for those particular individuals, as they lived in the moment, they had to live through the verse by verse of chapter one, the verse by verse of chapter two, before getting to uh, chapter four, uh, and doing the ebbs and flows and it was in the ebbs and flows that they still remained faithful to the lord trusting in the lord and they didn't like you said they didn't have the record uh that we that we do and so um again resting in christ getting a long term view of his faithfulness over not just years or decades or centuries just like like Long-term faithfulness, and uh, that's really huge. I mean, I, I've been spending time in the book of Genesis now in Job as I'm reading through and transferring some notes from my Bible, and just getting to see over these many many years how God was faithful in famine and severe famine uh, and the like. So you're right, though. We have God's word to look to, and, and I really encourage people to do that right now.
0: And David, what Scripture was was written for a time like this? I mean, every page most most of every page has a suffering person
3: writing to suffering people. They do. And um, I think when, one of the things that was really interesting to me as I've been looking through uh, Genesis uh, and even the beginning parts of Exodus and Job is writing and reading my notes in a way uh, for people as they were going through things. So instead of just like, there was a famine in the land, and Isaac had to move on. Looking at it in the way as the saying, here you have Isaac, whose dad was originally from Ur, who immigrated to Haran, who then immigrated again to Canaan. And then went all of these different places and seeing how through famine and difficult times, people were immigrating a lot. That's not language that we're typically used to, especially when we use cars a lot. Uh, but these guys were having to walk numerous places. Their lives were being uh, turned upside down by actual famine, by other wars, by other people groups, by other dysfunctions that were going on. And so when you're reading through Scripture and you're getting to kind of re-look at Scripture in the midst of experientially going through a crisis, I think something's different when we read Scripture in our lazy recliner with a cup of coffee and everything's okay. But now to be reading Scripture when— Everything's seemingly undone it it gives us a different perspective it gives us a different experience it gives us a different uh, look at scripture that's faithful
0: that's so true david we're certainly in a time that um, no one no one recognizes i I've, I've never i've never known this to be the case of course uh, i've heard about outbreaks of uh, disease and and things like pandemics, but they've never obviously been to this scale and I think God has our attention and the world uh, has put—with what the world's going through, I think we God has our attention unlike ever before. I think there's going to be more people around the globe um, questioning what they believe, coming to faith in Christ. I think there's going to be many people who are going to get right with God when they have everything sort of stripped away from them and they're home alone with their thoughts. I mean, we don't like being alone with our thoughts— That's why they put music in elevators, because we just don't want to be alone with our thoughts. So when we get to a point where we say, I want to be right with God, I want to have my sins forgiven and be in a born-again relationship with the Savior of the world, the great Redeemer, um, it's going to be, I I think, a great harvest amidst a lot of difficulty and suffering. Yeah,
3: and I'd probably say, like, right now people wouldn't— wouldn't want to be listening to elevator music as they're not wanting to even necessarily be in elevators unless they're no. by themselves. Um, but one of the things, you know, uh, we used to talk about this, um, you know, about how the D's in life tend to uh, draw people uh, to the Lord because they realize their life plan isn't necessarily working or just how lack of control they have. So things like death and disease, uh, divorce and depression, uh, debt and discouragement, Various things like that have often had people stop and, and look and say, you know, God, what else is there? I mean, like, I've listened to the world's plan. I, I've, I've tried to chart my own path. Or some actually get there and they succeed. Uh, and like the, um, the, the uh, former New England Patriots quarterback, uh, Tom Brady, who's now a buccaneer, um, in a 60 Minutes interview that he did years ago after winning the Super Bowl, uh, he had asked, I think it was Maury Schaefer who was interviewing him. And he had woke up the next morning and he said to himself, Is this it? And like, is this as life, as good as life uh, as, as it gets? And, and, you know, people were like, You know, here's he's a quarterback, he's Super Bowl MVP, you know, Mary model, has all of his resources. But even with all that success, came to that part and wondered, There, there must be more to life than that. So there's both the being successful and what the world or what we might consider success, and coming and saying, no, that's not it, and actually coming to the depths of despair and loss um, and finding out that your Creator really uh, is what you need because He created you to uh, know Him and to be known by Him Mm -hmm. and to love purpose.
0: Yeah. Pastor David Miles is my guest. We are going to take a little break, but we're going to be right back with lots more. to you this Monday. Glad to have Pastor David Miles. Usually it's the, uh, the the Monday mix with Miles, Arnold, Maxwell. Rebecca's out today, so it's just uh, David and me, and we miss her, don't we?
3: We do miss her, and uh, super grateful. Thank you to Kim, who's uh, stepped in to to manage things and help us, because Bill and I, you know, Bill, you and I, we, we have Jesus, and we need Jesus, and we also we also need help in other ways, so we're grateful for Rebecca and
0: Yeah. He just put a gigantic smile on Kim's face, too, by the way.
3: Hey, you know, I remember one of my friends used to say, tell the truth and shame the devil, so...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, uh, you know, our deeply held convictions about how loving God is and how sovereign, sovereign He is stand strong, David. Um, you know, He's not going to be any less loving to us on this Monday than He was that one Friday when He stretched out His arms on the cross.
3: Correct. Yeah, and I think one of, one of the things, like right now, we can... We can feel inclined, like, okay, God has left, or God has, you know, abandoned me, or what, what's going on? And and I I think you have the reminder of Scripture in Romans um, that God helps us in our weaknesses, as it says in verse 26, where we don't when we don't know what to pray, as we ought. The Spirit himself intercedes with us for groanings that are too deep with words. Literally, the, the Spirit can move in prayer just simply by sighing. Um, and then the well-known verse that, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, um, for those who've been called according to his purpose. And one of the things that's helpful to remember, because sometimes this, this verse can be, you know, abused where we people think, well, whatever I want it to be, that it works out. And I think it's very helpful for us to go to verse 29, because it goes, for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And verse 29 is the reason for verse 28, because being conformed to Christ is the reason why all things can, the word there is the word that we get synergy, that God can work the good, the bad, and the ugly together for good and his good. So even in this time of, you know, unprecedented for us, not for God, at uncertain times, God can use this to more conform us into the image and into the likeness of christ
0: that 's beautiful. You now, I was thinking all over the map, David, as you know one might do in a time like this because it's there's no precedence for it, but I was thinking about what might be going on in the invisible world you know i i I know we don 't fight against flesh and blood, but against. It, principalities and powers of the year, but I, I'm always curious as to uh, what is happening in the invisible world. Not that you're going to have an answer for me, but just an interesting uh, point to think about.
3: So what came to mind for you, Bill, as you were thinking through that? What are some things that bounced around?
0: Well, what bounced around was uh, even, uh, you know, Satan approaching God and saying, uh, what can I do to Job? And you can do this and this, but don't take his life. And I thought of the destruction that was allowed into the life of Job. Um, and I just want I just, again, I just was thinking and not knowing where to go with this idea. But, boy, there it is for the Monday afternoon mix.
3: Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. Um, my wife and I went for just a brief walk yesterday out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I actually was reading this yesterday. And um, it's interesting because you open up Job. And it says, he was a man that was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and even the ways that he made intercession for his children, you know, uh, his kids, his 10 kids that he would have, they'd have festivals and and Job would sin and consecrate them. He'd rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their heart Thus, Job did continuously. So it wasn't like this one-time thing. He regularly uh, was praying. And, you know, um, we can always pray no matter whether the situations are good and whether the situations are benign or whether they're bad. We can continue to intercede uh, for family. But I wanted to get to your part that you said about uh, um, Satan being allowed to test Job. And, uh, you know— um, the Lord said, have you considered my servant? There's none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. And I wrote this note because in chapter one, verses one, it states, this is who Job is. And then in verse uh, eight, God actually affirms what was said about Job and just how important it is. And I asked my wife, so what does God say about me? You know?" And that's before getting to the issue that Satan said to the Lord, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the works of his hand, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face." And that was kind of, in the invisible realm, that was Satan's card. He's like, of course. Job wants to praise you because everything is going super, super well. Mm-hmm. But let something go bad, and Job's going to curse you. And, you know, um, the Lord said, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, only don't stretch your hand. And and then you find in the very next verses, 15 through 19, that, you know, we've had the calamity of this uncertain time, but you see that Job's... Um, his his kids are eating and a person shows up a messenger comes to job and says here's this tragedy that's happened you lost your your um your animals your your wealth as a group of people called the sabians attack them and i alone have escaped to tell you then verse 16 says while he was yet speaking then came another and saying fire fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servant and consumed them Verse 17, while he was yet speaking, there came another, a different group formed three parties and raided camels and took down and struck your servants. And then verse 18, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking in their oldest brother's house. A great wind came across the wilderness, struck the four corners, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped you. I'm like, not just like, sometimes we talk about, things coming in threes. For Job here, it came in fours. And it says that, then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and Bill, check this out, and fell on the ground and worshiped. Mm. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And verse 22 says, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. He, he, he refused to curse God. And I love to say, amen, yes, I do that. <laughs> hmm. I, I'm in the camp that still when it happens, my mind will say, okay, Lord, what are you exactly doing here? You know, as First Peter says, you know, for us not to be surprised when trials and difficulties come. But the truth is, we, we, we are sometimes surprised by them.
0: Yes, we are. Um I appreciate that um those thoughts on Job, too. And, of course, I always think of Habakkuk chapter 3, in verse 17 and 18, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, and there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Yeah. I know, I, David, I think this is a, a time of incredible opportunity for us to um get in, on our knees in a way we've never done before.
3: Yeah it is a great time for us and I think it's a great time even to get with our our neighbors and our friends and family. Um and I I think one of the things simply asking your neighbors like how are you doing? Like mm-hmm. you know what's going on? And and I sat the other day with one of my neighbors at the fence and and we were talking and I just said ask I said how are you doing? And uh and they had shared and they had shared just of uh, some some things going on with their work and 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 they're trying to respond rightly uh, to a certain situation when others around them are saying, you know, no, we're gonna do this and it seems that they want to do it for economics and this person's like, No, I, I wanna do what's right and they're they're literally feeling caught in this crosshair. Mm-hmm. I just listened, and after they got done, I said, "Do you mind if I just
0: pray for you?" Boy, beautiful, David. We're gonna no. have to, we're gonna have to leave it there, unfortunately. We're a little out of time, but thank you so much. Um, it's a little bit easier when you're in studio. I can give you that eye look that says we gotta we gotta go.
3: <laughs> and, and when we have Rebecca here,
0: yeah, of course. All right, thank you, David. We'll take a little break. When we come back. Uh, my co-host George Fraser, of Real Recovery, will be joining me. Coming up on our ninth anniversary. Be right back.
2: Just anybody.
0: Help. You know I need someone. Help. All right, we are back, and coming up this month, we're going to celebrate the start of our ninth year on Real Recovery, which is a show uh, George Fraser and myself do on Sundays at 5 and Saturdays at 3. We started that uh, now nine years ago, and George is my guest on the studio line, a man who knows how to pair milk with cookies. George, how are you?
1: absolutely bill you know what i've never gone in on saturday
0: <laughs> well the show is it's a kind of a replay so i probably should have oh, told you that okay. eight years ago
1: yeah yeah i can't believe we're still on you know that we we had eight weeks and the show i think is is very good because of the people god brings into the show the stories are great
0: we've had uh eight years nine years now go, going on nine years of stories of transformation of people who have been caught up in addiction and they have through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, had their life transformed and changed with a new beginning and the transformation George is so spectacular I say there's nothing more powerful than seeing the resurrection power in someone who's been trapped in addiction
1: absolutely I never get tired and I think it's because there's a part of me that doubts sometimes you know what I mean uh, uh, a, a lot of things, and to see God say, nope, I'm here, I'm still here, I had this thing the whole way, nobody could do what I did, and here's what I did. And usually, Bill, the person is working for God now in some way. Yeah, it's true. Whether it's working with other people in a recovery or people with eating disorders, and it's God's story in us. I never get tired of hearing that, because It helps my faith when I have those moments where I go, yeah, I'm on my own here today, you know, trying to do this. And it's like, nope, God has us all the way.
0: Mm -hmm. George, what have been some of the the excuses you have heard from people who say they want to get on the other side of addiction, but they show up and they give you uh, one bad excuse after another as to why they struggle?
1: Well, that's a really good question, Bill. I think uh, I could provide a lot of good Excuses to keep going for people uh, if they're looking for that. Uh, if you lived with my wife, you drink. That's always a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stress. Yep. The one that I think, uh, you know, gets a lot of people is saying, well, you know, I don't drink more than Bill does or, or you know, Larry. Mm-hmm. We tend to hang around people that whose habits are like ours are. And I remember in my 20s, you know this guy, Tom R., he he went into treatment and got sober. And I said to somebody, I don't know why he did that. He kind of overreacted. He doesn't use her any more than we do. You know, because we all had problems, but we compare ourselves to others. I think deep down people know what the truth is, that they have a problem. But admitting that and doing something about it, that's a tall order.
0: Yeah, and everybody has deep problems from past experiences. You know, if you were a kid that had a tough upbringing, there's probably some self-medicating you did early on, and you discovered that sort of helped, Uh, albeit temporarily. And I think the enemy will always go back to saying, um, instead of living an abundant life in Christ, like John 10.10 says, I'd rather keep you... uh, uh, stuck in your little addiction, which is nothing uh, little, there's nothing little about it.
1: Yeah, and it's progressive. Sin uh, shows tolerance. Uh, When we stop doing it, we have withdrawal, and there's progression. You have to do more and more. And usually the consequences are progressive, too. You go to where, let's just say, I know a guy who got kicked out of high school, and then you wind up in jail. Mm -hmm. Uh, things like that. And in our stories, when we hear that, most of the time I'm thinking, this isn't going to turn out good. It's not going to turn out well. And then God comes in and changes everything. You know, the the Bible talks about uh, nothing is impossible for God. And I think we live our lives not not acting on that. I know I, I don't always act on that. And I get to hear every week. We've had some
0: great tests, and it's been a lot of fun. So I thank you for arranging it. Well, it's been a God-ordained um, opportunity, and I, and I do think that the stories have been so encouraging for people. I know a lot of people who are in recovery kind of treat Real Recovery like a uh, meeting, like this is part of my recovery plan. I, I listen to Real Recovery because I always hear stories of inspiration, of what God's doing in someone's life. And like you say, it's uh, one day at a time. Maybe that's exactly what that person needed to hear that day, just to get through it.
1: You know, I hope the coronavirus doesn't get worse, but if it does, Bill, we might be a national show. Because all these people that can't go out of their house, they should be tuning in at five on Sunday.
0: I couldn't agree more, uh, George. I, mean. I love, yeah. the, I love uh, that you're looking for some positive thing right now.
1: Well, I'm, yeah, you yeah, know, gosh, here's a man. But you know what, I uh In all seriousness, I was talking to my wife last night about it because, you know, I'm over 60 and I've had cancer and I have uh, asthma. You know, other than that, I'm looking good on this deal. And I, I, I was watching a guy talk about it. And I got concerned for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, I'll do precautions, but I'm not really worried about it. And I realized there's nothing I can do on this deal. Uh, but God has it.
0: Yeah. And for, and, for our listeners, you know, was, you know, when you say you had cancer, you had uh, stage four lung cancer. So that's where the virus would attack. So that's um, a big deal.
1: Well, I think it's a big deal because it's me anyway. But you're, <laughs> you know, you're right. And, um, but I, it, one of the gifts that I've gotten uh, from God, and there's, there's many, um, almost all through my failures, actually, the addiction, getting sober, uh, the cancer, and is you really rely on God because all your false hopes, thoughts, and ideas are gone. They don't. They don't hold up. And when you have something like that, God shows up, and it's very clear that He He has it. And so last night I was thinking with the coronavirus, God has this. You know, I'm not going to be uh, adventurous and go running around not taking precautions, but uh, I, th- I hope people realize at the end of the day that this is another one where God's saying, I got this. Mm-hmm.
0: George, do you, think, I got this. do you think there's ever been a, a time in, in our world where we have had more opportunities to be more addicted to more things? Honestly, I mean, people can say, I don't do drugs or alcohol, but If you check your phone 800 times a day, uh, you might have a problem.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I don't check it 800 times a day. Mm -hmm. Probably in the low fours. (laughs) You know, I tell people, uh, you know, that are concerned about a loved one or something with an addictive problem. You know, they'll say, well, I don't know anything about addiction. I go, how about your phone? Are you thinking about it now? Right. I think most people can learn about addiction by how they are with their phone. Uh, we've all seen people, and I've done it. Bill, I know you've done it. You go somewhere, and you go, okay, where's my phone? Did right. I lose my phone? Um, I think there's the phones, there's the TVs, there's just all sorts of stimulus out there to keep us occupied. It, and it can be very destructive because do do I read the Bible more than I watch hockey? No, I don't. Now, in in defense, the Stanley Cup playoffs are coming up, but I think you get my point. right? You know, it's like I sometimes think, Bill, uh, I get God out of the way early in the day by doing my quiet time first, and then I can get on to uh, my stuff. And that's one of the things that I like about checking in with Uh, our radio station, is that brings me back when I'm in the car and, uh, you know, little things like that. But I think there's a real battle for our minds and our souls. And most people aren't aware of that.
0: Yeah, it's so true. When you think of the amount of even sleep medication people are needing nowadays, uh, one-click shopping, there's so many things that you can find that you get a little adrenaline rush from, not the sleep medication, but shopping, uh, checking your phone, all of that stuff. I, I think it's something that you have to replace uh, with spiritual disciplines where you say, I'm, I'm literally going to sit down with my Bible that I have pages that turn and a notebook and a pen, and I'm going to study, take notes, and write things down. And if you, could, if you can't do that for an hour because you're too distracted thinking, I should at least check my phone, I think you've got an addiction issue.
1: Yeah, the silence was just a coincidence. I wasn't thinking about whether I had one or not. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I, you know, I think, you know, the other thing is that we talk about real recovery, and of course it's real people with real problems, and we have a real God that, that loves us and is interested in helping us and, and saving us. But I, I think it's a lot harder to be a Christian in 2020 than it was for me growing up in the 60s and 70s. There's just more distractions. There's and the advancements haven't helped me get closer to God. They've gotten me farther away from God. Yeah. Um, and so I think we see that. One of the other things I'd say, the guys that I've worked with as a counselor for over 20 years, an addiction counselor, the guys are a lot worse. Um, and you you notice that going down to the Salvation Army. Uh, you know the guys we work with now have a lot more issues than they did ten years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Are and,
1: you ever tempted when you go out speaking to them that to do the Geico commercial with Pinocchio, where you tell them they have <laughs> unlimited potential?
0: <laughs> I, I don't, but I do believe God's got a great plan for their life, and God's going to do something spectacular. But you have to surrender. And, you know, if you talk talk about the steps, George, and I think we're going to take a little break when we come back. I would love for you to talk uh, about the steps. You know, for a lot of Christians, they go, oh, the steps kind of sound secular. And I'm not sure I want someone going to a secular recovery meeting. I think it should be God alone that should solve your problems. I know that's an a issue for a lot of believers, and I'd love you to address that when we come back. I'm talking to George oh, Fraser. He's my co-host of Real Recovery show that's celebrating this month, uh, the start of our ninth year here on Faith Radio, and boy, are we blessed to have that program and what who, the people we have met and the experiences we've had, and it's been phenomenal. So thank you for supporting us, and we'll be right back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the show. George P. Fraser is my guest, co-host of Real Recovery, and now coming up this month on our ninth, start of our ninth year, which has been phenomenal. George, a lot of people that go into recovery, uh, they go to secular uh, recovery meetings that use a lot of the 12 steps. And I know there's people that are skeptical who are Christians who go, should a Christian be doing those 12 steps? And your your response would be what?
1: John Piper uh at Desiring God Ministries, just had a great article on this a couple of weeks ago. And what he talks about, and I agree with, the steps are all biblical, Bill. They came out of the Bible. And all the, you know, the Bill Wilson and, and Dr. Bob, all they did with their friends was put numbers to Scripture. You have 12 steps, obviously, starting with one where you admit you're powerless over. Drugs and alcohol, and your life's unmanageable, and and really going through it to get God into your life is is really what the the steps are, and to work with others. So, if we were going to summarize, we'd say to um, you know, uh, admit we have a problem, uh, take inventory, clean house, work with others. It's really that simple. But the problem is, they're kind of a shell to Christianity. A great example, Bill, would be. You could say, I don't believe in God, but I'm going to live my life by the Ten Commandments. If you did that, you'd have a lot better life, a lot happier life. But eternally, your life wouldn't be good at all. Mm -hmm. And that's basically the problem with the 12 steps used. There's two problems, okay? There's your salvation, and there's your sobriety. And just because you get saved doesn't mean you're sober, I think, any more than if you're sober if you're saved, okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You've still got to work on your sanctification process. And I think a lot of times, as Christians, we can get a little bit arrogant, thinking because Jesus is the only way to heaven, um, and the the true Son of God, and the Father and I are one, that we think we need to have we have all the answers on other things for things that work better that if there if this is a group and they let you choose your own god well that's that can't be good actually it helps more people get sober than anything else there was another study done that came out this week that said that but the big question of course is your salvation your forgiveness of sins and we go to John 14:6 Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through the Son. So what we have to look at is there's two problems here. And to solve just one, uh, especially if it's about your salvation and and not, you know, your sobriety, you're going to come up short. But if you get saved uh, and you don't get sober, I'd rather go that way. I always say, I know I can lose my sobriety, but I can't lose my salvation take a lot of comfort in that belt you yeah. know yeah so um i think it's a good discussion to have. the one that always well bothers me on this is i have never heard a christian person say when they say they don't like a or they kind of bash it about how they worry about the people who go there are lost souls that need the savior never yeah. heard that mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying oh
0: absolutely No, but if we just even break down step one a little bit, that our lives are, you know, beyond our control and they're unmanageable. I mean, to me, that's a that's an unregenerated person, a person who's lost, who is living in darkness, who has not come to saving uh, faith yet. So, you know, you apply that to someone in an addiction like an alcoholic or a drug abuser, and they realize that no one is believing their promises anymore. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, and and the the steps are simplistic but very profound, and and just look at step one. We have now we powerless over drugs, alcohol, and our lives are unmanageable. Yeah, I am powerless over drinking. My life's unmanageable because all this stuff's going wrong. Well, actually, the reason it's unmanageable is because I'm trying to be God in my life. And the reason it's unmanageable, it says that, comes to a little example. Like, anytime anything bothers me, I forget that God allowed it. So I'm judging God in my head, Mm -hmm. because what he created and uh, allowed, I don't like. And where I, I like to talk to people I work with about is themselves, god created
2: you in his own image
1: you don't like yourself god created you with special gifts you're a child of the king he's got plans for you that's actually the truth and i think what the 12 steps do is reinforce the truth to us that sometimes you know we can go hear a great sermon and go gosh that's great i love it i don't know how to do that and as you always say you want to give people something in a brown paper bag to take home with them. The twelve steps are the way I walk out my faith. It's simple, mm-hmm. you know. Not a lot of mind games, as as my mentor Daniel always says. Don't tell me what you're doing. Show me. Right. You know, is that working for you? Are you doing it? It's real simple. I. I, I it's funny. We uh, we know what we need to do. We just don't want to do it. Yeah. And. Part of our sinful nature is, as much as drinking caused me pain and trouble, where I really got where I was powerless is, even though it was wrecking everything I loved and valued, I still love doing it more than anything else. Mm. And to give that up is really hard, and I think that's why most people don't make it.
0: Yeah. And George, one of the things about the show that I've, I've watched over the years is how people... Who are uh, maybe codependent say, "Oh, I love listening to your show because I'm codependent and I'm sometimes I'm exhausted trying to do everybody's work, and I need to understand how to function better." Or even adult children of alcoholics who have got these incredible sense, this incredible sense of overresponsibility, or they're overwhelmed by their own standards and commitments that they sometimes just feel paralyzed in life.
1: Well, it affects. The whole family yeah uh, you know, we've called it the family disease for a long time and you know the consequences of sin my drinking I didn't in uh, cocaine said it you know I wasn't trying to hurt anybody you guys were collateral damage mm-hmm. uh, but that doesn't change the fact that it's still damage and I, I think one of the things the recovery programs do and, there, and there's you know good ones in church too um, is that they allow people to be okay that they have a problem. I think one of the things that gets misrepresented in Christianity is that if you're a Christian, you gotta be perfect now. And so people don't talk about because it's you know, it's just not acceptable to be going to church on Sunday if you have a pornography addiction or you're a meth amphetamine addict. And I always have looked at church as kind of like a hospital, you know? The reason I go is I'm spiritually sick. Um, But I think the recovery rooms get that a lot more, and I think, for me, when I need to be around a recovering people, Bill, because I'll start playing the church part, you know, I start speaking in Christianese, how you doing? I'm blessed. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what that means, but, um, you know, I go to church for worship and to learn more about God, but mostly for worship. And I go to accountability groups to work on my stuff and a Bible study to learn more about God. And I think you need all of that to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to encourage listeners who might be hearing, um, who maybe haven't heard Real Recovery, to head over there and check it out. There's plenty of podcasts available. But when I think of the addiction cycle, And every time we start with a new guest on the program, George, we hear about early pain. And that's a common denominator with everyone that ends up in addiction because they reach out for some addictive agent, whether it's uh, sex or alcohol or drugs, or they're in a horribly dependent relationship with a person. um, And they use that to kind of temporarily medicate their pain. But there's always these negative uh, consequences. And then there's shame and guilt, and then uh, they start the cycle all over again. So we want to say, if you uh, have pain, and I bet you do, take it to the Lord. Let God uh, help you with your your pain and start there. Because if you're in a cycle of addiction, uh, let's go to the root and, and get it taken care of and let God heal whatever pain you have.
1: I like that. Yeah, I think Bill. Uh, you know, the big picture, and, and we we need to train our minds always to think eternally. I know I do. Is that God allows our addictions to happen? If He's sovereign, He allows it, and He is sovereign. And why? Well, I think uh, for me, uh, He would rather have seen me become an addict and get saved, and I was uh, then not get saved, and that's how He did it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, um, you know, I think we've got to look at eternity. I think we have to stamp that on our eyeballs and look at life uh, through an eternal lens rather than the here and now. I know a lot of people that, that use because of painful things, also Billy, people use for pleasure. I know I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that pleasure is you know, soon turned to pain, uh, And it's bigger than you are. And one of the things that you look at is you realize you're not that powerful. You're not omnipotent. And um, it drives you to your knees, and that's where you meet God. Yeah. And so uh, if you make it, uh, it's great. But we've lost a lot of people
0: over the years, Bill. We have. I can think of upwards of 20 that had a period of sobriety, and then they went back and used. And because they had that period of sobriety, they overdid it whether it was intentional or accidental, and it took their life.
1: I like that term. I haven't heard that for a long time. Uh, My dad used to use that with me, overdid it. Uh, We overdo life, addicts and alcoholics. You know, our off button's broken. Right. And uh, we don't know when to say when because that word doesn't exist. And uh, it's deadly. And if you have the affliction, you're you're either going to get better you're going to wind up dying. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty sad to watch because it always seems needless to me.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I share this very often, but you know, <laughs> you're, you're uh, kind of on the outside looking in, and I'm on the inside. You're on the inside looking out, I'm on the outside looking in because I've never done drugs or alcohol. So I'm, I don't have those experiences in the recovery rooms. And so I need your leadership on this show, or else we don't have a show.
1: Oh, thank you for that. yeah, I'm glad I could go out and you know roll around in the mud for a long time, and <laughs> come back, but you're right and i And I think one of the things that our friendship brings to the show is you don't need to do all the stuff that some of us did to be a christian, and you're an example of that, and you can still help people that are you know struggling without having gone out and done a lot of time in prison. Yeah. So you bring that to the to the show, and that's
0: yeah. great. Yeah. Well, Real Recovery airs on Sundays on the Faith Radio Network at 5 o'clock. It replays Saturdays at 3, heading into our ninth year. George, thanks for being on the show, and I'll see you uh, on next Real Recovery. Hey, thanks, Billy. Yep. Okay. George Bye-bye. P. Fraser has been my guest. We'll take a little break, and we'll be right back.